Today we're finishing up the story of the fall when Adam and Eve sin, get kicked out of the garden, and everything is ruined. This story is about how sin entered the world, and so we learn all we need to know about how God responds to sin in just this third chapter of Genesis. How God responds to sin here tells us everything about how God responds to sin today in our lives and ultimately how he deals with sin forever. But let's zoom out for a second and get a full picture of the story. God creates a world, Genesis 1 and 2, and he creates mankind to cultivate it and keep it. And he places them in a special garden, giving them one simple law, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But of course, what do Adam and Eve do? They eat from that exact tree God forbid them to eat from. The problem was, God said that if they eat of it, they will surely die in that very day. So when Adam and Eve realize what they've done, they do everything they can to cover up their guilt and run away and hide. And here's where we pick up the story today. And the question is, how does God respond to sin? You know, one of the most emotional places on earth is the courtroom. Many people who have committed crimes and been convicted of crimes show up in a courtroom before a judge and wait to hear what their future sentence will be. And I'm sure we've all seen video clips of people who are convicted and are in a courtroom after the trial waiting to hear what their full sentence will be from the judge. And when they finally hear it, they burst into tears or they go crazy or they look hysterical or some dramatic emotional response. And this is sort of the position that we're in today with this story. Adam and Eve have sinned. They know that they're guilty and they know what the law says, that they must die. So they are waiting for the judge, God, to issue his judgment. How will God respond to sin? We see here in Genesis 3, God does four major things when he responds to sin. He questions them, curses them, clothes them, and kicks them out. And each of these four things teach us something about how God responds to sin today. So what's the first thing he does? First, he questions them. When Adam and Eve sin and they hide, God walks to them and he doesn't say, what did you just do? Like a parent might say to a young child, because that's really an accusation. You know, when a parent says that to a young child, God instead says, where are you? You know, he's asking a legitimate question. Why is he questioning them? Why isn't he accusing them? Why is he waiting to judge? Why is he waiting to accuse them of something that they really did do? You know why? Because God wants Adam and Eve to look up, realize where sin has brought them. He wants them to recognize that they did commit sin and repent. He's giving them grace and space to repent. That's why he questions them. And you know, God does the same thing in our lives today when we sin. God gives us grace and space to repent. But what does he do next? The Bible says he curses them. Now, you might think that's not a gracious thing to do, but you know, it actually is. Why? Because when God curses, he's giving consequence to their action. And that consequence is meant to teach them that if they continue in sin, if Adam and Eve don't repent and turn to God, if they continue sinning, the end of their choice is going to be ultimate suffering suffering in hell for all eternity, separation from God. So God allows them to experience a little bit of that suffering and that horrible situation, consequence to their sin now, in order to teach them, hey, it's going to get a lot worse than this if you keep going down this path. And so when God allows consequences to sin in our life, it's his way of teaching us to turn from our sin and turn back to God. 
He questions them. He gives them grace and space to repent. He curses them. He allows consequences in order to teach them. And then what does he do? He clothes them. Now, this is an interesting thing because if you read between the lines, you realize God had to kill an animal in order to clothe Adam and Eve. And nothing has died up until this point. Nothing, whether a plant or an animal or a person, has ever died until Adam and Eve sin. And the first thing to die is God killing an animal. You remember when we said when God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree? He said, in that, if you do, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, this is the day that Adam and Eve ate the tree. And we learned that they lived for another 930 years. So did God lie? No. You know what he did? He looked at Adam and Eve and instead of killing them, he looked at the animal and he said, I will kill the animal instead of you. And the animal's death will serve as a reminder to you that sin deserves death. Anyone who has sin deserves death. In fact, God said that he would kill anyone who sins, but instead God kills this animal. And it doesn't atone for the sin completely because God did say the person who sins has to die. The person, not the animal, the person. But the animal is a symbol. It's a reminder that all sin deserves death. But he does something else. He kicks them out of the garden because he says, you are no longer worthy to have eternal life and eat from the tree of life. So God kicks them out and he places this war angel, this death angel, this angel with a flaming sword to guard the way back. And basically the angel is there to say, anyone who has sinned is not allowed to come through and eat from the tree of life. So the only way we can eat from the tree of life and live eternally with God is if we live a life without sin. Well, bad news Every human being ever has sinned. Therefore, every human being ever has committed a crime worthy of death because that's what God said in the garden. And God is just, so he cannot go against his own law and he cannot lie. So he must punish sin. But you know what? God is also merciful and he's also loving. And those two aspects of God that seem so disparate. They seem so far apart. They seem so irreconcilable. You know what God does? He brings them together in the person of Jesus because Jesus came to the earth and he did live a sinless life. And he's been the only human being in all history to have access to go past the angel who was there to kill all sin. He's able to go past. Why? Because he's lived a sinless life. But instead of going past, you know what he does? He stops and he says, kill me instead. Kill me instead of all these people who deserve death and have sinned. I haven't sinned, but kill me on their behalf. And you know what happens? He dies. And Jesus takes our punishment. And so now we face the angel that stands at the garden. And we face the justice of God. And you know what? God's law from Genesis 2 that said, if you eat from the tree, you will die. You know, that law still stands today. But if we look at Jesus and believe in our heart that he took our punishment, my punishment that I deserved, and Jesus took it. You know what happens? The justice of God looks at me as if I was sinless because of Jesus. Because I say, I identify with Jesus' death in life, and therefore God looks at me and says, you now have access in. But if I don't, if I don't want to identify, if I don't want to believe that Jesus has done this, if I don't want to turn my heart to God, then you know what? I have to face that death sentence on my own power. And truth is, no human being is strong enough to face that death sentence. 
and we will suffer for all eternity. But God, in his grace and mercy, has provided a better way for us, a way to eternal life, a way back to the Garden of Eden, a way back to the Tree of Life. How? By looking at Jesus who died and believing in him.